remain standing, would you go with me to Scripture and let us look together to His Word. One of the most quoted Scriptures about prayer in the entire Bible, and that would be 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Its familiarity to us doesn't negate its power for us. Did you catch that? Just because you might have read this before or heard of it before, spoke it out loud, doesn't take away its right now message for today. I am grateful you are here. I am oftentimes, when I come up here, it seems like I'm confident and I got it together. And I got to tell you that I don't, more times than not. I have to have the strength of God. I have to have the unction from the Holy Ghost, just like you. But today, I'm going to give you something that will do you good for the rest of your life. Today, I'm going to give you a weapon and a key and access to stuff that I didn't provide for you. He did. That nobody can say, I can't do that. Oh, I can't go there. Oh, I can't be that. Nobody. I don't care whether you are very juvenile in your walk with the Lord or whether you are a senior member of the kingdom. I'm going to give you something today that if you'll take hold of it and you'll use it, it'll revolutionize your world. It is the Word of God and the promises of God. Put it on the screen, please, for me, my brother. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Out loud, we'll read it together on the count of three. One, two, three. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now we read it. We heard ourselves this time. Now we're going to go after the meaning. Okay? We're going to read it again, but with a little greater uh, confidence that if we heed it, it's going to change our lives. On the count of three. One, two, and three. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Pray for me, would you? Reach your hands in my direction. Would you honor the Lord and bless me by offering up Father? I need you now. Oh, God, I, I need to remember that all my strength comes from you. But I also need to remember that I'm not an entertainer. And, God, I pray that nobody would seek for their strength to come from me. But all of us would get our strength from the Lord. All of us come to this service at different levels of needs, different levels of spirituality. Oh, God, I don't know how else to say it. Ring our bell. Rock our boat. Open our eyes. God, the choir sang, open our eyes, unlock the deaf ears. Oh, God, I'm not so spiritual that I don't need this word. Satan, I bind you and I cast you out of this God's house and all of this property. And I cast you out of our mind and I rebuke distractions and attractions that are not from God. Let angels come and walk these aisles and in these pews. Wake us up to the riches of your promises and the power for us through Christ. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. 
Hey, uh, l- let me ask you this. You may not be used to, to, to doing this, but let me ask you to do it. If you'll take a little note or two this morning, then you'll have some resources to fight the devil with beginning this week of prayer. I come to you as your spiritual cheerleader. I come to do what Paul said he'd like to do to Timothy by the letter he wrote to him. When Paul says, I want to stir up your pure mind by way of remembrance. There are some people knowledgeable about the Word in this congregation to whom I'm preaching. There are people who are preachers in this service, in the prior service, who would do, as far as delivery, a more eloquent and efficient job than me. But somehow God has chosen me. And so I'm happy to be His vessel. The point is that the devil would like to keep you from any and everything that would bring you victory over your flesh, over the world, and over the devil. Can I get a witness here? The devil does not want you to know. He don't mind you owning a Bible and you going to church. But he doesn't want you to know much beyond that because millions of people own a Bible and will go to church and will not be changed. But oh, my, 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 my. This business of prayer. Two guys were walking down the street. They were talking religion. And the one challenged the other. He said, if you're so religious, let me hear you quote the Lord's Prayer. I bet you $10, he said, you can't do it. The other guy says, okay. And he started. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. The other guy who gave the challenge, reached in his pocket, got a $10 bill out of his billfold and handed it over to the guy. And he said, you know what? I didn't think you could do it. I hope we know more about the Lord's Prayer and about prayer than that. So I've got a couple definitions to start us off with because, listen, I'm, I'm the teacher today. And let me tell you something. Nobody needs this sermon more than me. Okay? Because sometimes I don't pray when I should pray. Sometimes I don't want to pray when God calls me to pray. Sometimes I don't even feel like praying. There are times when I'm doing good stuff and I say to the Lord, well, at least I'm going to the hospital and counseling these people and doing this good stuff and that ought to make up for some of my prayer. And that never does. Because nothing makes me stronger than the time I spend with God in prayer. You hear me, everybody? The measure of your spirituality depends on the effort you make, and the practice you practice in prayer. None of us are greater than our prayer lives. We are the product of our prayerfulness or our prayerlessness. Listen to me. And I don't mean to be unkind. I don't mean to be arrogant. Our whole Christianity rises and falls on our prayer life. And that's why prayer is so pivotal. That's why come sleet or snow or ice tonight, tomorrow, or next week shouldn't hinder our time with God. Listen to me. The measure of the success of your marriage 
The success of your finances. The measure of the health of your body. The measure of the joy you have in your walk with Christ is all connected to the time we spend with God in prayer. Everything rises and falls on prayer. And so, having said that, I need to give you a couple of two or three definitions. I don't know why that screen back there is purple and this one's white, but help me out if you will. Here's a, here's a definition. Prayer is a spiritual response spoken or unspoken to God who is known. Not merely to know He exists, but He has revealed Himself and has invited His creation to have communion with Him. The word communion here means fellowship. Prayer is a spiritual response, spoken unspoken. To not some God in some twilight zone that we don't know whether He's there or not, but a God who has made Himself known by all creation and in our lives. Can I get a witness? Here's another definition that... While there are numerous definitions for prayer, and I could choose others, these are the ones that the Holy Spirit led me to. Prayer is drawing near to the eternal, with a capital E. Eternal meaning eternal one, God. Prayer is drawing near to the eternal and attuning our hearts to His voice. Prayer is intimacy with deity. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Somebody say amen. I must tell you three things this morning. I must first tell you what prayer isn't, what prayer is, and how we pray productively. What produces power in prayer. Let me look at the first thought. What prayer isn't. Prayer isn't more than a report to the supervisor. Or just a report to the supervisor. You know, some of us work under the uh, command of others, managers, supervisors, etc., And we are accountable to them for our production or lack thereof. So once a week, once a month, or whatever the criteria is, we report to the supervisor. Prayer is not just a report to the supervisor. Matter of fact, he got more reports than you think. Can I get a witness here? There ain't nothing you're doing, being, saying, or are that he don't already know about. So he doesn't need a report. It's not a report. He already knows all things. It is, however, an opportunity to commit our lives to the supervisor and let him supervise our lives with wisdom and direction and revelation that comes from the time we spend with him in prayer. What prayer isn't? Prayer is more than an emergency insurance policy. If you're acquainted with insurance policies, you know that they are used only on occasions of emergency. Prayer is useful for more than just emergencies. Oh, help me, Lord Jesus. You see, the more you pray, the less likely you will panic when you do have an emergency. Because emergencies will come to everybody. 
Matter of fact, the more you pray, the less frequently the emergencies will come because you have stored up prayers in heaven and before you even realize there may be an emergency coming, God's going to release that prayer on your behalf and protect you on the highway or on the job or protect your children. There'll be fewer emergencies in our lives because God's not just interested in us dialing Him up every time. We want to be rescued from something. Oh, help me, Jesus. He wants a relationship. And so, I say to you, like, if you pay your premiums for your insurance policy, you can expect coverage. I feel it. You know what I feel, right? Just... Some of you invite your friends here, and they're college-educated, masters and doctors and all the kind of things. So I just have to say, sometimes I just have to say, you know what I'm feeling, right? But what I'm really feeling is a pop! glory. That's what I'm feeling. Yeah. I got some degrees, too. Yep. Matter of fact, I'm thinking it's about 100 degrees right here in this pulpit, but I got some. You and I cannot go shaking our finger in the face of God if we hadn't prayed, prayed our premiums. No more you can expect to write checks from a bank account that ain't got no money. Same way it is with God. He's interested in relationships. Here, prayer is more than a spiritual 911 number. Well, I ran out of gasoline. I got to call AAA. Prayer is more than that. Prayer is more than just every time, the only time we talk to God. Is when somebody else gets us in a mess or we get in our own mess. What kind of relationship would you have with your children if that's how it operated? But every time they just see you, they're holding out their hand. They're 45 years old now, you know, they're still holding out their hand. <laughs> Some of you are quiet because they're sitting beside you. <laughs> if all your children and grandchildren ever wanted from you is gimme, gimme, gimme. Don't come see you. Don't come spend Christmas with you. Don't come spend Mother's Day or Father's Day or Groundhog Day. You know, Dad and Mom, there's another way to send cash now. You know, and they come up with all creative ways for you to send them cash. God's not interested in that kind of relationship with us. He wants us to pray, not that He could get to know us, but that we could get to know Him as a loving Father who is concerned about everything in our lives and wants to protect us and lead us and shelter us and provide for us and give us a better plan than the devil. <laughs> Man, we ought to be so prayed up. I like the, uh, uh, there's a, a song they used to sing years ago, the devil's in the phone booth calling 911. Wouldn't it be great if the church were so prayed up the devil's calling for help? Keep going, preacher. Prayer is more than spiritual gymnastics. What do I mean by that? I mean that regular prayer is important for a believer to stay spiritually healthy, but it's more than just a religious exercise. Prayer is the reinforcement of a daily relationship with the Lord. You know, sometimes you go to the doctor and you get a good report and you think, now I can go back to eating all that fat back and cholesterol-laden sweets. You know, you've been taking the medicine, doing the exercise, and the cholesterol count drop, or the diabetes, or whatever, and, oh, you're thinking, man, now I can go party. That ain't what it means. It means you've got to keep doing what you've been doing if you're going to keep staying where you are. I'm preaching to myself right here and all of us. Okay? 
So, so my point is, prayer is more than just showing up every once in a while in a spiritual gym and just doing some Sunday morning flexes. Oh, help me preach. I'll just preach all by myself. Huh? Just showing up every once in a while, one Sunday, one Wednesday, uh, or once a year, twice a year, somebody's funeral or Mother's Day or something, and just doing some kind of spirituality, throwing a $5 in the, in the offering pan and thinking, oh, now God's going to answer all my prayers. Oh, God, it's getting quiet in radio land. I'll keep just going on. Maybe I'll get on TV. Prayer is more than a power switch that enables us to get what we want from God. You know, we get power from this church from EMC. Most of you do too. How we defy it. Okay, and if you live in other counties, you get power from Georgia Power. And you and I know that when we go home today, if it's cold as it is, and you're using heat pumps or something related to a blower that gets you heat, if you ain't paid up EMC, Georgia Power, and all of their tributaries, you can flip the switch all you want to. There ain't no power coming. That's the way it is with prayer. Can I get another witness here? If I, the same thing. If I, don't, if I don't become a friend of God, allow God to become my friend. If I don't develop a risk, I don't have any business asking God to do something for me that I, my own self, haven't been thankful that He's already done. Can I get an amen, somebody? I'm saying to you that we can't expect to use God as some Santa Claus in the sky and pardon this if it offends you, but God is not interested in being somebody's sugar daddy, okay? What God is interested in is, is, is having a relationship with those of us and all of us that He creates and He loves. He gave His Son to die for us. We are valuable to Him. If He gave His Son for us, He expects our return, love, and affection in order to stay blessed. It's more than a power switch. Prayer is more than a religious exercise. 253 of you, and there may be more, but I'm grateful for at least 253 of you who said, Pastor, we'll join the church this year to read the Bible through in a year, meaning join the church family in reading the Bible through. I, I challenge you, and you responded, I'm overwhelmed. And somebody has already said to me, and, I've, and if they hadn't said to me, the devil has, well, you got 253 started, and probably two will finish. I don't care. There are just some things you start that you can't lose. I don't care if you stop halfway. And that's the Word of God. But let me, let, let me tell you this. I'm praying over you that you will finish that 200, 253 or 300. I mean, how many of you, by the end of the year, I could have every one of you a diploma because you've read the Bible through this year and said, God, if I do anything right, it's not going to be a religious exercise. It's not because I want to take my little chart and check out each day and thank God that's done. I can't. Oh, I guess I'll have to do it again tomorrow. God's not interested in me just putting something in the offering plate, showing up every once in a while in the church, reading the Bible a little bit, coming to a prayer meeting, just doing some kind of ministry every once in a while. Just to look good in the eyes of my peers. Prayer will not, that, that kind of life don't produce power. Uh, prayer is more than pious routine. And I guess I've said that by just describing what I have to you moments ago. Relationship. Prayer is relationship. Can I get an amen here? Uh, I'll say that again. I'll take you to what prayer is. Prayer is praise. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. The Word of God tells us here that we ought to offer unto the Lord a sacrifice of praise continually. I won't have you turn there now, but you can turn there later. Uh, Let us offer unto God continually a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks Unto God. 
just as people that you're trying to get help from or communicate to gets turned off by you introducing your conversation with negative remarks and criticism and condemnation, just so it grieves the Holy Ghost. If all we ever do is first thing we come in His presence is begin to say, why didn't you answer my prayer? Why didn't you show up when I asked you? Why did you fail me? Can anybody hear me this morning? I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm saying to you, in order for God to come down in your little prayer room, in order for God to come down in your car when you're praying, in order for God to come in your bedroom or wherever your place of prayer is, if you want to get the Holy Ghost and God and the Son, the Trinity, in your place of prayer, if you want to get the ear of God and the eye of God and the hand of God, you do not begin by griping and complaining and finding fault with your marriage or your husband or your children or the church or the boss or the coach and blame everybody else about why your life is in a mess and then say, God, I think I'm through with you too. Oh, my God, help me to be discerning here. You know, if you hang around South Metro Ministries long enough, you're going to find something that disappoints you. If you hang around here long enough, you're going to find someone, including and probably especially the pastor. Okay? Because we just, we don't always get it right. You don't always get it right. In your job, with your marriage, we're just humans, okay? And we sometimes miss the boat. And, and, and sometimes we get nasty emails about how we missed the boat. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I, what, I, what I'm saying to you is, just like you and I, if somebody approaches us tactfully, with love, with an effort for reconciliation and understanding, They'll get our attention. So it is with God. He don't have to be soothed and stroked and patronized. But the Holy Ghost says in the Word of God, let us offer the sacrifice of praise. Do you know praise is a sacrifice? Because when you don't feel like doing it, you do it anyhow. Praise is a sacrifice. You don't feel like standing up and, they, and, the, and the music pastor says stand up and let's praise God. It's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice when, when you got the pink slip from the job and they're closing the company and they ain't giving you nothing severance. And then you come to church. It's a sacrifice to go ahead and come to church and praise God when your husband or your wife says, I, I found somebody else and our marriage is over. And you come on and, and you serve God. It's a sacrifice when you ain't got enough money to pay your bills and the Holy Ghost says, now I want you to honor me in the tithes and offerings and sow the seed and put me first. And you go ahead. That's a form of praising God. Can somebody, can somebody witness with my spirit? But, but if God calls you to give a sacrifice of praise, even the fruit of our lips, but we are what we say, really. Do you know that? We are what we say, okay? So if we say that, God, you're no good, and I don't, or, or, or we say something with our lips to God that He really knows is not in our heart, we're going to turn our prayer uh, access completely off. But it's amazing what praising God can do. I'm not telling you to ignore the fact that you may have been sick and therefore just go ahead and act like you hadn't been sick and praise God. I'm not telling you to ignore the fact that your marriage may be in a state of turmoil and so therefore you just kind of act like it's not there. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you in spite of what the devil is doing in your body or your marriage or your finances or your children or your mind, in spite of it, remember yesterday, remember last week, remember the hellhole from which God 
God pulled you out of. Remember how He healed your body, helped your marriage, gave you a job, paid your bills, put food on your table, and gave you life eternal. And in spite of where you are now, thank God anyhow. Somebody praise Him. Yes. I'm telling you, you're not living and breathing because you made your own heart. You're not having seen in your eyes because you got the bionic eye. Preach. I'm preaching all. I'm preaching my. I'm not just preaching my liver out. I'm preaching everything else. You know what? Just about every Sunday, about five o'clock, I get a headache. Not in my notes, but some of you are thinking, why should we care? Uh, no, you're not. You're too kind. But you know why I get a headache? Because I ain't got it in me to say, God bless you. This is my little sermonette for our church servitette. Go with your way and be blessed. So yeah, the reason I get a headache is because I yell and I scream and I back up and spit. And I want to tell you something, buddy. If I was playing football for the Falcons, I'd do the same thing, man. I'd yell, I'd slap, I'd kick. I do it. It, it. Whatever my job is, you know the dynamite comes in little packages. And so I, I just I just can't apologize for wanting to praise God love you. It's amazing how wonderful praise changes things. What praising can do. You get so caught up in praising God, you'll forget your prayer requests. Because you'll begin to remember, God, you did this, 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 this. And you're thinking, why am I even worried about this? Look what he's already done. huh? The devil don't know, you know the power of praise. Because praise will scare demons away. Praise, according to the Bible, have put enemies that come against the people of God, start fighting against each other, while the other people of God just praising God in the next valley. That's what praising will do. David Wilkerson said when he went to start Teen Challenge in New York City back in the 60s among the gangs, he was a Texas boy whom God sent among the most evil of young people in that part of, of, of the nation. And God put it upon David Wilkerson. By the way, he has a church in Times Square, New York City today. David Wilkerson is probably headed to almost 80 years old. He is a prophet of God. If you ever get any stuff from David Wilkerson, know you're getting it from a man of God. I support his ministry personally every, every month because I believe in him. And I, I'm going to tell you that for my glory, but I'm telling you, few people like that lot support. But I've watched his ministry. And David Wilkerson, he has started Teen Challenge around the world where lives have been revolutionized from drugs and alcohol and addiction. When he went to start that ministry, one night he was headed down the street. It was dark on the street of New York. And he was headed to a prayer meeting or a church meeting uh, that he was having as part of the starting this ministry. He was walking down the street and a gang of young men started walking towards him. And he said, I could tell they had nothing but evil in their heart. As they got closer to him, they, uh, the aura that they exuded, he could tell. These guys, some of them got in the gang only because they killed somebody. That was an initiation. Or they beat somebody up. They carry switchblades, guns, bats, other kinds of weapons, they, uh, things that they had. And, they, and, and if they could kill so-and-so or do so-and-so, then they get certain rights and privileges. 
David Wilkerson said, they, these guys approached him and fear grasped his, his spirit. Because being human, we, 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 what's going to happen to me? I'm outnumbered. Can't outrun them. I don't even know them. And, and what should I do? And the Holy Ghost said, just say, praise, shout, praise. The Holy Ghost said to him, you can't pray, just shout out, praise the Lord several times. And as you say it loudly, clap your hands every time you say it and just praise me. And so David Wilkerson, he, he started, they got close to him and he could tell that they, they were ready to prove their so-called gang loyalty by what they were going to do to him. And he, he goes, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. They were like a deer that saw a headlight at night and they were stunned. This is according to his testimony. They turned around and they left him alone and he went on his way to the meeting safe because it's amazing what praising God can do. You, you know what happened? When he went to the meeting, this is a story. When he went to the meeting, the gangs came there. That, that was, we're going to be, that was, they're going to fight each other. Okay, they came to the meeting to mess up the meeting. And Nicky Cruz tells us by his own testimony he was converted at this meeting. Nicky Cruz was one of the gang leaders. Okay, and they were going to steal the offering that night. And they were going to tear up that service and have a fight between the gangs for the turf, etc. And that would be the end of David Wilkerson. The Holy Ghost told David Wilkerson when it's time to take up the offering... To have Nicky Cruz, the gang leader, come and take up the offering in his gang. <laughs> well, those guys were all about being macho and being cool and doing. So they, 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 their whole plans got changed. They got more offering that night by the gangs taking up the offering. Because <laughs> they don't know how about taking up no offering. You know, we in America, we got used to the plate passing by us like it got some kind of Asian flu. <laughs> So we just let it go. But them gang members, ain't, pardon the grammar, ain't never take up no offering before, so they ain't leaving you till you put something in that plate. And if you don't, they're going to produce a sweet plate. I wonder if they're available for next Sunday's offering. But anyhow, the, Nicky Cruz, listen, he couldn't leave with that bucket of money because the Holy Ghost got a hold of him. Here come this old country boy preacher, don't even know New York and love us. And preached to us, gave his heart to God. Nicky Cruz, as far as I know, is still alive. He wrote the book, The Cross and the Switchblade. If you ever want to read a life-changing book, The Cross and the Switchblade, and get it in paperback, maybe on Amazon or someplace like that. But I'm telling you, it's all happened because a man of God decided instead of complaining and running, I'm just going to praise God. And when you praise God, the demons and the devils of hell run because it's amazing what praising can do. Prayer isn't more than just praise, it's confession. Would you this week, would you read Psalm 51 sometime as you go to your place of prayer as part of your opening prayer? Remember this, starting tonight or tomorrow when you start your week of prayer and whatever fasting you want to do, the Holy Spirit will show you. You see, if you don't, if you don't deliberately target stuff and pray specifically... You, you boxing like you're hitting the wind. Jesus prayed specifically. You study Jesus' prayer life. He prayed specifically. The Bible admonishes us to pray specifically. But in order for prayer to produce power, I've got to begin specifically with me. Confession. Can I get another witness here? All of Psalm 51 is David confessing to God when Nathan the prophet 
confirmed to him that God already knew for the last year, David, that you committed adultery and a baby was conceived and you murdered the woman's father with whom you committed adultery and you try to cover it up for the last year. And just because you are king and head honcho in Israel and live in the palace and have servants and power, you thought you and I would have it worked out and I'd let you by. And Nathan the prophet came and told David, you're the man, the sinner man. And thank God David wasn't arrogant and foolish. You and I can't box with the Holy Ghost and win. If the Holy Ghost says, confess... If the Bible says confess, we are far better off to say, you're right. I agree with you, God. I have sinned. And I'm not saying that you say that you mean you're an adulterer or fornicator or robber or liar. How many know you can sin just by, by allowing your mind to get on some things and stay on some things like Jesus said, including lust, and it could, it could just be sin and we've got to confess it. Can I get an amen? How many know that we've got to sanctify our attitudes sometimes? Listen, listen to me. We gotta, there are things that hinder our prayers on occasions. It's not that God doesn't want to answer our prayers. It's because the devil has put lust, envy, strife, unforgiveness, bitterness, complaining, backbiting, fault-fighting, jealousy, prejudice, racism, all kinds of garbage that clutters the telephone line to God. You know what my biggest problem is? It's not pastoring a church of over 1,100 members. And every one of you have families. So our church is larger than just the membership. My biggest problem is not trying to figure out how to help you through your problem. My biggest problem is me. Because sometimes my attitude... This is not a place where you say amen, okay, because I'm talking about me. Sometimes my attitude is not good. Sometimes... I do not want to walk down aisle 12 of Walmart because I see somebody there that just going to sink my ship if I ask them how they're doing. <laughs> you better be careful who you ask how they're doing because they got them x-rays in their purse now or they can call it up on their little phone. And there's some x-rays of some of your parts and my parts that I don't care about sharing nobody. See, I don't know how I got off in all that stuff. I guess it's confession. You know, sometimes you are not my greatest trouble or challenge. Me, me, me. Sometimes I get so puny and pathetic. Nobody knows <laughs> the troubles I see. You ever met people who compare their surgeries? Same surgeries? And one guy says, I had a kidney stone about this big. And the other guy says, you ever seen the rock of Gibraltar? That was in my belly before. <laughs> we all like to put out our sorrows out there. We never like to say, I need to apologize. Do you know we carry stuff year in and year out about people and what they've done to us? And the people that we are grieving over, they're going on their way and they ain't even thinking about us. They ain't studying us. Matter of fact, they went out to the varsity, got them two hot dogs and chilies and onions, some rings, and they ain't got you and I in our mind. And then, but we just holding on to that. When you gonna give them theirs, God? Would you like me to help you give them theirs, God? That hinders our prayers. There are times when I I've been hurt, 
I needed, I wanted somebody to apologize and say, I hurt you. And they didn't. There are times when I hurt people. I hurt people. It, it ain't no preacher God. Can you, can you hear me here, somebody? There is no preacher in America that's God. We are humans. The more preachers in America confess that we are not supposed to be put up on any pedestals or some totem. You know, some preachers give themselves names like prophets and apostles and bishops and everything else. And I know that has its right place. But let me tell you something. None of that makes us holy if we're not living holy and clean. Yeah. And so it starts from the top. All the way through the body of Christ. There's sometimes I got to call and I got to admit I've let you down. I've failed. I have done wrong. It's hard pill to swallow. But there's nothing more freeing than when you get the guilt and the burden. You see, God puts a certain kind of guilt to, on you. I see, put, God would allow a certain amount of guilt on our lives to get us to confess and repent. And once we do that, the guilt is gone. Confession. You, you see... All this business about confessing to the boss and confessing to supervisor or somebody that gets you somewhere. And not very helpful when you need to confess to your wife or your children or your husband or your children. It's quiet out there, but ah, Because confession humbles us. Can I get an amen? I, I tell you, confession allows God to change us. Confession. Freeze us. Hurriedly. Prayer is not just praise and confession, it's petition. What do I mean by petition? After you confess and you say, God, if there's anything, David said it this way Search me, O Lord. Search me. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Sometimes I'm in a desert place spiritually. I'm confessing. I maybe wish when after I finish preaching, I get the five o'clock headache. I maybe wish I hadn't confessed so much. Um, sometimes spiritually, I'm in a wilderness. Have you ever been there? I love God. I don't know of much anything in my life is anything to think is sin. I tithe, I give, I serve, but I'm like in a wilderness. My prayers ain't getting no higher in my head, and you know by looking at me that that's not very high. Heaven's brass. I'm thinking, why are you coming to ask me to pray if you know the kind of shipwreck I'm in? But you know what I found out? If I press on. If I go back to the same place of prayer. Go back to the Bible. God's storing up every prayer I've given. Petition means now I can ask for Donnell. I can ask for Tracy. I can ask for Phil. I can ask for Doug. Because I've taken care of the closet junk in my life. And, and now I can ask for Valerie, my wife, and my family. Petition means I can ask for all of you. Let, let me hurry. Prayer, prayer is a intercession. You know what intercession is? It's moving beyond this. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. By His hands we are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Amen. Intercession means we pray like Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. When the cross was before Him... 
and suffering was before him and they were going to pluck his beard. They were going to beat his back with the cat of nine tails. They were going to beat him so badly his face and his whole body would be so disfigured you wouldn't even recognize him after they got through with him. Jesus, intercession, he went to the garden with his disciples. Three different times he asked them to pray and he prayed and they slept. Intercession, intercession is, let me tell you this, when, when your world gets turned upside down, when you get bad news from the doctor, when you get bad news from the boss, when you get bad news from the kids, you get bad news from the police, or when Satan attacks you in kind of way, you don't need some prayer book written, written in the last century by some pious saint somewhere. You, what, all you need is to find your place somewhere with God. And if your heart breaks enough, if the attack is strong enough, you don't have to have somebody putting their words in your mouth. But if you let the Holy Ghost get you alongside, I don't care if you got one or nobody praying for you. God will show you how to pray and He will bring you out of your valley. Somebody praise the Lord. Intercession means I cut off my cell phone. I know I'm going a little long, but that's okay. You're going to have to be boxing for three or four days of people you don't even like because a storm is coming. Uh, God, help me. Intercession. Intercession means... I'm not. When I came to America in 1968, my father was an evangelist. We traveled all over, everywhere God had given him an opportunity to preach. Back when my dad came as an evangelist to America, they would schedule revival for two weeks. Roger, you know about summer. That don't mean you're that old. But considering it, Roger, I think you are. Uh, we, they would schedule revivals for two weeks and they'd run for six weeks. My dad preached a revival in, in February in Princeton, West Virginia. It went for six weeks, snow on the ground all over. hundred people got saved. You know what intercession was? Folks didn't just come down and, okay, thank you, Jesus. No, they prayed until they prayed through. We'd go to, we'd go to revival meetings in, in the summer weather. We'd hear noise before we go in the front door. It wasn't because people were unruly inside the church or disrespectful, but because some men were praying outside the building and some women were in some prayer room praying for the service. Intercession is kind of what Sammy and Deanna does every Sunday morning, but a few others every Sunday in this church at 7 o'clock in the morning. As they come and they walk all over this place and anoint and sanctify it, and others do too. And might, you, you might want to join them some Sunday so that we can have the kind of church we're having now. Intercession. I'm not going to die. Intercession is what Jacob did when he wrestled with the angel. And the, the angel said, let me go! They wrestled all night. Until they wrestled so until Jacob's hip got knocked out of joint. And Jacob said, tell me your name. He said, that's not important, my name, the angel said. And Jacob said, I'm not going to turn you loose until you bless me. Oh, I'm going to land this plane just a minute. Meditation. That's why I tell you, read your Bible. Fast. Meditation. Take your request and then meditate on God's word. Intercession, prayer means I don't always have to be talking to God. Sometimes I fool myself by thinking the more I talk, the more effective my prayer is. Only to find out that I've repeating the same thing over and over. You ever told God because you don't know how else to pray for the same thing? Just play the CD, I'm going to bed. <laughs> You're laughing, but that's... We pray the same thing all the time. No. Meditation means I find me two or three scriptures and I, and I read... But even though I'm going through suffering, 
And I can't understand why I'm sick. I meditate on he was wounded for my transgressions. Bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace is upon him and by his stripes I'm healed. Get you some scriptures and say them. Oh, no, uh, Pastor Zach played a song we sang it last Sunday. It's been in my mind all this week. I'm not asking for it now. Hint, hint. Uh, and that's not what... I surrender all is what I prefer. But the one I was thinking about last week was the song that says he's the ancient of days. I meditated on it. A prayer, prayer, praise this. Prayer is relationship. And I'm not going to preach the rest. I'm just going to put it for you. Relationship and partnership. When Valerie and I started dating in 19... Whatever, when Noah came off the ark... When we started dating 32 years ago, guys and gals, you talk about a little Indian guy being in love. Now, I know you can't see. You've got to have faith to see what she saw in me 32 years ago. You see it. Thank you. You're a man of God, I can tell you right now. If we could just convince your wife that you're a man of God. If you could just imagine black hair. few pounds less. Many pounds less. Came back from Trinidad one Christmas, having gone on a mission trip. And we were dating at college. We would met each other before. We were on break from college. We were away from each other for about three weeks. We had started dating and it was, he was moving out along. Thank you. It snowed in Cleveland when we came back together. That I think was a Sunday evening to start school the next day. Pastor Jeff, I just had to see Valerie. I got into my Plymouth Duster. It's a car. It's not a clan of clothes. Some of you don't... Roger, you got to tell them what a Plymouth Duster is. It's a car. Got in my green Plymouth Duster. Snowing. I'm from the... I'm, 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 a, I'm an island boy. What do I know about driving in snow? But Valerie was on the side of the campus. And like the U.S. mail will need us, snow, sleet, or hail. Oh, I had to be with Valerie. Got out, we went out, everything shut down. It's about 9 o'clock at night. But oh, we were together. Slid off the road, somebody. I did, slid off the road. Every chance I could get to be with her. Relationship, relationship, relationship been 32 years now and when she says go with me to the mall I gave her some extra dollars to keep me from going <laughs> isn't it amazing how your first love needs to be rekindled I don't mind you laughing I intentionally say that because I want you to get what isn't it amazing how when you first found the Lord you couldn't read the Bible enough pray enough come to church enough tell other people that happens and all along he says come back to me Alan remember our first love I'm going to give you this and I'm going to close because I've spent too far, too far too much time in the other things, so I can't preach this, but I want you to have it. True prayer requires a humble heart. It takes us back to our text, doesn't it? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. True prayer requires wholeheartedness. No more than you are interested in going to the doctor and he giving you part of his attention. No more is God interested in you ringing his bell and you just half-heartedly talking to him. True prayer requires faith. 
I can't see it, feel it, touch it now, but I know His Word says I can have it. And I'm going to press on. I cannot figure out how to come up with six million for the new building and one and a half million to pay off the debt and another maybe five hundred thousand, eight million dollars for the next project. No more than I could have figured out how to get seventy thousand dollars twenty five years ago for our first project. But you're sitting in the project that he provided and by faith, by faith and obedience, we're gonna sit in another one because he never fails. Righteousness. You you say to yourself, I've done everything you'll know to do. Why isn't my prayers answered? Examine yourself. I will examine myself on these criterias. A humble heart. A pure heart. With a whole heart. Jeremiah says, Jesus, pardon me, God said to Jeremiah, God said to Jeremiah, you shall seek me and you shall find me when you have searched for me with all of your heart. Stand, please, would you? I surrender all. Can we sing it? Go ahead. Let's sing together. I surrender. To Jesus I surrender. in the life of Jesus, six of them, that I thought I would preach on this morning, but I did not. Because early this morning, the Lord took me to this. There were other critical moments in the life of Jesus where he prayed, but the Holy Spirit, and maybe for another time, showed me how Jesus on occasions prayed by himself, prayed all night, prayed with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, meaning God. The, the, the scripture showed me where Jesus, before he selected his apostles, spent all night in prayer. The Bible showed me where, where Jesus went to a mountain, we now call the Mount of Transfiguration, took three of his disciples with him. And when he prayed, his person, his countenance, his whole form was transfigured when he prayed. I went and studied last night where Jesus, when he was baptized in water by his cousin John, when he came up out of the water, he was praying. And 
a dove symbolizing the Holy Spirit. The dove of the Holy Spirit sat on his head, or hovered over his head, I should say. And a voice from heaven being the voice of the Father said, This is my son, my beloved son. I'm pleased with him. And Jesus prayed because he knew he was going to go into 40 days of fasting in the wilderness where the devil would tempt him and try to kill him. Critical moments. I'm not needing to preach another sermon to you except to tell you that every one of you will face a critical moment this year. You'll probably be facing it now. And I'm saying to you, if you will pray like Jesus prayed, sometimes you may have to cry and call out. Sometimes you may have. I don't know how you have to do it. I don't know of a more critical moment for America than right now. Only yesterday, 19 people were shot. A congresswoman is in the hospital battling for her life. A nine-year-old child was killed. A, a, a federal judge of the United States was killed. I don't know how I can get more critical. I don't know how I can get more critical when we got, we got to go to airport. We don't even want to fly about, about anymore because of the, the security check. Not because we don't like the convenience of flying, but because it takes so long. Because some, some hoodlum or, or some terrorist somewhere wants to kill us all. So they, what if, you know, it's a critical, a critical time. I saw on the news yesterday where a mother weeping, her son from Winder, Georgia, was serving in the Marines. She said to the news people with, with, with a tremor in her voice, she said, when I saw the two, two Marine officers coming to my front door, I said to them, please don't let this mean what I think it means. Her boy was killed 19 years old. I don't know what's more critical when pornography and sexual sins and fornication and adultery and, and homosexuality and lesbianism and a hatred of God and a hatred of the Bible and a hatred of church and a hatred of prayer by the secular world is ever more pronounced than it is now. I don't know when we have any more critical moments. I don't know what else to say or do to say pray, pray, pray. Because when you pray, God will change us. Prayer is the heartbeat of the church. I am going to confess now in my prayer, and I want you to confess. One minute, lift up your hands. Clear up any clutter before you go to prayer. Right now, begin to talk to God. Raise your voices a little bit louder than, than just a whisper. Come on, pray. Tell God, I surrender. I surrender. Forgive me for fighting you, God. When you call me to pray, I want to pray. Search me, oh God. Come on, say that. Search me. Search my mind. Search my attitude. Cleanse me. God, I put myself on the altar. And I ask that you would empty me of any sin. God, I confess that sometimes I'm lazy and I don't want to pray. Come on, come on. You talk to God. God, I confess that sometimes uh, because I'm angry, I didn't get things I wanted to how it happened. I let my mouth say things I shouldn't say, and I ask you to forgive me. Come on and pray that way. God, I ask you to forgive me for, for judging my wife or my children or my family when I should be judging myself. Forgive me, for oh God, for judging somebody who has a little speck in their eye while I have a large pole in my eye. Forgive me, oh God. Forgive me, oh God, from condemning and criticizing and finding fault. Oh God, my problem is not other people. My problem is me. So I pray that you'd wash us all. Come on and pray that way. Oh God, it's not my wife. It's not my children. It's not my grandson. Not my daddy. Not my boss. Not even my preacher. It's me, oh Lord, needing to be confessing and cleansing and purified. 
Let nothing separate me from the love of God. Forgive me for being religious without being Christ-like. Forgive me for being like the Pharisee who went to the place of prayer and talked about how good he was. Unlike the publican who said, God have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. I surrender all today, Lord. I surrender all. Lift your hands again to Him. Say, thank you, Jesus. I'll praise Him for a few moments. Go, now lift your voice and thank you that He's heard you. Go ahead. I praise you and I thank you. You have heard me. And the guilt is gone. Hallelujah. Everybody sing with me.